Hey all, welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. From bourbon journalist to bourbon collector and bourbon tour guide, Sarah Havens, a.k.a. The Barbell on Twitter, has had a long history with America's Native Spirit. She's recently been appointed as director of marketing at uh, Louisville-based Mint Julep Tours, a tour company that educates people on all things bourbon. And I also consider her one of my dearest friends, not to mention one of my favorite people to drink bourbon with. So without further ado, I'm excited to talk bourbon with Sarah during National Bourbon Heritage Month. How's it going? (laughs) It's good. It's good. So I I should tell folks that we're actually in Milwaukee, which is not the bourbon capital, but more more beer. But do you do you (laughs) tell them about your Wisconsin bourbon experience so far? Um, Yeah, I actually tried a Wisconsin bourbon and was aged five years. Uh, I'm not I wouldn't bring a bottle of it home, but I enjoyed my glass. So tell me, (laughs) um, when did your love affair with bourbon (laughs) begin? Oh, gosh. Um, So I. Moved to Kentucky for my first job in 99, and it came right out of college, so I was used to, you know, being in the bars and all that. Um, I never had bourbon, you know, I, I had, I think I, we shot Jack in college, but I never, never knew the difference, actually, even between bourbon and whiskey. And then just eventually just kind of became part of what I wrote about, like that was about the time that bourbon started becoming popular again, um, probably like late 2000 eight, nine, around then. Um, So I would get invited to go out to distilleries and, you know, try new products. And um, then it just kind of grew naturally. Once once I, my first distillery was Maker's Mark. And once I kind of learned where the tastes were coming from and the barrel and the, you know, the char and the caramels and the vanillas and everything, um, then I was hooked for sure. Great. So, that's a good question. I mean, have you visited every distillery on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail? Um, there's a couple craft distilleries um, and newer ones I haven't been to yet uh, towards Lexington. The J- James E. Pepper I haven't been to, but I've been wanting to go. Uh, New Riff in northern Kentucky, I've been wanting to go to that. Um, so I've got some work to do still. <laughs> but I've, all the big guys, the the original, um, you know, like Makers and Beam and Woodford, um, I've been to all those, Four Roses and... So tell us, which distillery is a must-see and why? Yikes. Uh, I don't have a favorite, but it's the one you're driving me to. Hey! Just get. <laughs> um, but no, I, my, some of my favorites to take people for the very first time if they haven't been definitely would be Maker's Mark, uh, just because it, it's so quaint out there. Um, it's kind of towards Bardstown and a little beyond. Uh, in Loretto, and um, on your way, you can actually stop by Jim Beam and uh, a few others, Old Barton. Um, so, the, yeah, I'd say Maker's Mark, and then Woodford Reserve has is the iconic Lexington, you know, the scene that you picture when you go to Lexington, the, the horse farm, right? I mean, you have to drive through a horse farm to get to the distillery. So it's just it's so beautiful out there. Every like I like it in the fall, and then it's pretty in the spring. It's just anytime. <laughs> 
Great. Yeah, it is a really pretty tour. Um, so you've been giving tours and now you're marketing them. What have you learned about distilleries or Louisville's bourbon scene that you didn't know about before you started working with Mint and Julep Tours? Um, just how many distilleries we had in Louisville before Prohibition. Um, there was probably, they say like around 50 to 100 bourbon-related companies right along Main Street and Whiskey Row. And they were all situated there so you could roll the barrel out to the river just because of gravity because they didn't have anything to, you know, transportation back then wasn't great. We just needed to get to the barrel to the boat, you know, the shipping boat to send down to New Orleans or whatever it was going. So, yeah, it's it's been neat kind of learning all these little facts. I did not know that. I didn't know about the whole river thing. That makes a lot of sense. So um, who are some of your favorite personalities in the bourbon world today? Oh, gosh. Um, I would definitely say Fred No um, at Jim Beam. Uh, and his son, Freddie, uh, he just came out with a new little book, and I got to do a media trip with him and spend some time learning about, you know, the new release and everything, because they're always fun. Um, Jimmy Russell of Wild Turkey um, and his, his very cute wife. Um, I mean, he's, yeah, I, I'm just amazed he's he's still working just about every day down there, and he'll come out, and he'll be sitting in the gift shop, and people will be shaking hands, buying bottles, and having them sign it. Um, I mean, everybody, every master distiller I have a crush on, I think. <laughs> so do you have any particularly like funny stories or good stories that you've, or conversations that you've had with any of them that have made you laugh? Uh, I mean, if you get Fred No like, out, you know, just talking in his element or something, he can, he says some pretty funny things. Um, and actually, one of the, I think it was a bourbon affair event, we actually got to go fishing um, on one of their little lakes on Jim Beam. And he, Fred was there, like, baiting everyone's hook because nobody wanted to, you know, touch the worm. And so it was just kind of a fun experience um, fishing with Fred No. <laughs> cool. So we hear you actually incorporate bourbon into your home decor. Tell us about the bourbon bungalow. Well, um, so I guess I've turned into a little collector, um, but I say I'm not collecting. I'm going to open them eventually, but I just have a lot of bottles currently open, and I don't want to open too many because they're saying now that, like, once you open the bottle, you should probably finish it within a year. So I didn't. So when you come down, it might look like I have some bottles, a lot of bottles, but um, basically I'm just you know, storing them for the apocalypse or something. <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually thinking beyond the bottle. I'm, I'm thinking of decor. I'm thinking of couches. I'm thinking of shelves. <laughs> yeah, there might be. Yeah, there's this big bourbon barrel couch that I found on um, Facebook Marketplace that I have down there. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, lots of shelves. I have a, um, I just got a coffin that <laughs> that has been turned into a, like bottle shelves. I think it actually was just a pro- promo from uh, Bacardi, but I kind of just spray painted over all the logos and stuff. And then, so it makes a really nice, it's black and it's black obviously for a coffin. And then the shelves are red. So it really makes a good, good shelf for my Maker's Mark collection. But technically, I mean, Bacardi would be rum. So are you letting rum into oh, the bungalow? That's why I spray painted over it. I, yeah. So no. Well, I've got other spirits down there. If you know, if people are visiting, want something else, I've got I've got Castle and Key vodka and gin, and 
Um, yeah, rum. I, I like I like rum when I go to Florida. <laughs> so I do, I know you had your eye on like a Baker's Mark shutter. Did that ever happen? Oh no. Um, I had talked to the guy people at Baker's Mark to try to get because <laughs> I love their. If you go when you go there, everything matches. There's every building on the the campus has this these shutters with like a little bottle of Maker's Mark cut out in the middle. You know, and they're obvi obviously they're custom made. So I kind of wanted to get those for my house because um, I painted my front door Maker's Mark red. Um, it's a long story. My friend of mine had leftover Maker's Mark paint from when she designed their Gallapalooza horse. So that's why I had that paint. <laughs> but so I was kind of wanted to do a whole Maker's theme. But yeah, they couldn't track down the guy and I just needed to get shutters up there. <laughs> well, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> so so um, you mentioned you have quite the bourbon collection. And as as your friend, I know you're always looking for a deal or a rare bottle. I, I heard a story even on the ride up to Milwaukee that you uh, were sitting outside of a little liquor store in Indiana <laughs> waiting for it to open. Um, so tell us, a, did you find anything in the Indiana store? And B, like if I was someone who was just starting to collect bourbon, what tips would you have for me? Um, well, I didn't know it didn't open till ten. We just we were, I don't know. I was I was kind of looking on my Google Maps for little liquor stores, and so we had to wait fifteen minutes for it to open. But I did find they had a, um, a store pick. So those are, in my opinion, those are kind of they automatically become collector's edition. Um, things that you want to keep or open. I mean, so basically a store or a bar or somebody, if you have enough money, you can go to a distillery and pick your own barrel of bourbon. And those are called store picks. So you'll notice a little sticker usually on the bottle saying this is hand selected by, you know, Butchertown Grocery or Westport Whiskey Wine. You know, it'll say the store's name. And so those are now single barrels. So like I have a, I got a Buffalo Trace store pick from this Indiana store so it should be I mean I have a couple others so I kind of like to open them and and try them all and you know try a single barrel buffalo trace so it was worth the stop yeah <laughs> it was an end it was only $24 so it doesn't have to be expensive to be good so what other tips would you give for someone that's like just starting to collect bourbon um well just, I mean don't go after the pappy because it you're not going to find it you might get lucky um sign up if you're in Louisville, sign up. Uh, we have this big store chain called Liquor Barn, and you can sign up for their emails. And I guess throughout the uh, bourbon release season, which is coming up in September, or we'll be here in this September, um, there'll be bourbon releases just about every week. Um, and they'll send you an email saying, oh, this is what we're putting out Saturday morning. So maybe just get on that. If you want to wake up early and sit with me at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a fun of time. I don't know. It's not it's something I do every Saturday because I like my sleep. But it's you know you can get some good bottles doing that. Um, sometimes the store will have a raffle or a lottery where you just you go get a ticket and you hope that your your number's called and you get to go you know pick whatever you want. So that's when you might get a pappy like if you're lucky enough to get your number picked. But there's also like three thousand people there so. They might have 200 bottles for 3,000 people, so you can do the math on that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, those are good tips. Um, so some people may not know, but you actually have a key to the city, a key to Louisville, and, and in part thanks to bourbon. Can you tell us about that story? Yeah. Um, so 
I guess I've always kind of bugged mayors over throughout the years <laughs> for a key to the city. Um, after I, I saw it stemmed back to like Kathy Griffin came to Louisville and the mayor just gave her a key. And I'm like, well, I want a key. Like, why is this comedian? I mean, I like Kathy Griffin, but I want a key too. <laughs> so one time I was on the Belle of Louisville during the boat race and during the Derby. And I had gone up, I had a cocktail and I had gone up to him and I'm like, it was Mayor Fisher at the time. And I'm like, I want a key to the city. How can I, you know, get that done? And he uh, thought about it for a little bit. And he said, um, over time, he's like, well, why don't you, he had just named the, the old fashioned uh, Louisville's official cocktail. And he's like, why don't you go find the city's top five old fashions? And of course, I was writing for Insider at the time, Insider Louisville. And I'm like, sure, it sounds like a barbell column to me. And if it gets me this key to the city. So I gave him six, and um, and I've given him five more. I've I've done it three other times just to get the best. I mean, bars and restaurants keep growing in Louisville, so there's always a new one to try. But yeah, so eventually he, I mean, once I wrote that story, then he had a ceremony for me and gave me the key to the city. So tell us what it, what are like. So what are where is the best old fashioned in Louisville, in your opinion? Um. The very first one I did was Bourbon's Bistro, and that's been that's been a restaurant and the bar that's been around I think since 2010, like right when the bourbon, even before the bourbon boom was hit. Um, and there are, they have a I think that bacon maple old fashioned was delicious, yeah. And they made it out from out of Knob Creek, so you want to have a strong, uh, kind of high higher proof bourbon. Uh, I think back in the day, most of these cocktails were even made with rye just because it rye whiskey because it would stand up to the the sugar and bitters so so yeah knob creek is a great um bourbon because it's so high proof to put in an old, old fashioned. and actually last night at the bar <laughs> sarah was handing out tips to the bartender <laughs> i'm using was it cask cask strength makers mark versus regular no it, so on the menu it's just they make their old fashions with just regular makers mark and i I've had that before, and it's enough, no knock against makers, but it is a weeded bourbon. Like any weedy bourbon, it's going to kind of disappear in there a little bit, with the because there's so much sugar and bitters. So you, I was just going to say, if you have cask strength makers, Mark, uh, it might you know then then it would be a pretty good drink. I bet. But okay. He just kind of looked at me. <laughs> I mean, they should take advice from the Kentuckian on how to make an old-fashioned. I think so. Um, they they can have cheese, but you have bourbon. So, um, so if you had one last bourbon before you left this earth, what would it be? Man, um, God, you know, one time I tried at a bar. It was like thirty dollars a shot or pour. It was the William LaRue Weller, and it's, that's part of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. It's in that tall, skinny bottle. I don't have any of those. That's, you know, one of my bucket lists to get some of those in my collection. But, yeah, that that was a good bourbon. Is that the one we had at the schoolhouse when yes. you came? Yeah, we had, I had it twice. So, yeah, that what, what, we were in, not Savannah. Where? Denver. Denver, right. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so if you're in Denver, you can get it at the, the schoolhouse in uh, Old Town, Arvada. They have a bottle, so. It's pretty, I remember it being reasonably priced. It was even less than 30 there. Like, in Louisville, it was 30, but it was less than 30. 
Maybe. And then where they just don't realize what they have. So, yeah. <laughs> so now switching over kind of more to the social side. I know. I know bourbon. Well, you, you, you know, writing. You're, you're just as comfortable with writing as you are bourbon. So, um, you know, you've been writing before social media existed. So, and, and you, you went to Ohio University and studied journalism. Um, but how, how have you seen social media impact traditional media? Gosh, I mean, I, I think every, we all had to scramble. We we're like, what are the kids doing? You know, like, what is this Facebook thing? Uh, I mean, I worked at, I started working at Leo Weekly in 99, and we still, like, laid out our paper and sent it off to the printer. We didn't even use pagination at the time. Like, we were using wax and <laughs> cutting out, you know, stories and pasting them down. And um, So, yeah, we didn't have a website for a, w a long time. <laughs> and then when we did get one, it was very basic. And um, So, yeah, it, it's just been weird. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, uh, for, so now working, having worked at Insider Louisville, which was all online only, and we didn't have a printed product, you know, we had to rely on these uh, social platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to get spread our stories out. Because um, most we found most people didn't just come to our website; they would read the story on Facebook because we shared it, or somebody had, then it gets shared by other people. And so it's just been interesting. So I guess that, that's a good question. When you did start posting for Insider Louisville, like on their Instagram, for example, did you take a different approach there at all than you did with your personal social account? Uh, we didn't actually. We Instagram was like the lowest on our chain of like, let's just get things on Facebook and Twitter. So I kind of took Instagram, our Instagram account and would post like if I was at a, event, a bourbon event. So if you, if you get on there now, I don't, it might... I think it's still up. <laughs> You'll notice that most of the pictures are from bourbon and cocktail competitions and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, forget the question. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll just kind of lead you in the direction I want you to go because I remember that you started using filters, so yeah. that was something. So I had uh, a younger coworker, um, and she's the one who put all that together using the Vizio filters and she kind of picked because there were so many bourbon pictures she picked a filter that worked well with the colors of bourbon um, so I still have that on you know as a tool on my phone I think I'll maybe start using it for s my own stuff or you know with my new job or see how it looks okay so as a journalist do you feel the success of your stories were measured by the shares or the likes on socials that the stories got um I mean, it was frustrating when you spent a week writing a feature story on maybe like Jim Rutledge. And then I also that same week wrote like a little like, oh, the fair is starting this week, too. And here's the lineup. And that the fair story gets way more, you know, shares and likes than, you know, my feature story on somebody, you know, that. But I don't, you know, obviously the feature story was a better written story it was more interesting and you know had quotes and so I just you know you never know what people what's going to hit people and you just keep writing and you know I, I like if I could just re write feature stories I would but then we have to write the little ones too so it all kind of went into the same bucket <laughs> yeah no so uh, to that point like and it doesn't have to be the top story but what were one of the stories that pop out in your head as being like the most shared on insider 
that you were really surprised by the engagement? Um, when I first started, I wrote this. I, I didn't even, I mean, I just threw together like a press, like just kind of rewrote a press. Or it was like during the basketball tournament and Louisville was in the tournament and the Shaq and the, they had done a commercial and they mentioned Louisville in the commercial. And I just wrote like, oh, go take a look at this commercial on YouTube. Like it mentions Louisville. That's it. That was all the story. <laughs> and it got it. It got the most shares of any story on Insider Louisville. Like, I guess we were maybe just the first to point it out that the, this commercial was on the air. I don't know. But it was like, no, it was all like Louisville shares. It wasn't like it got picked up nationally. It was just all shares around Louisville. So it was kind of crazy. <laughs> I would have like spent more time writing it if I knew it was going to, you know, take off like that. You never know. I mean, we, we find the same thing with client content. It's like sometimes you have this amazing picture and you're like, this is going to do great. And it doesn't. And then sometimes you have like a weird fan photo and it, people are like, this is amazing. And you're like, really? Because we spent all this time on this photo shoot. So, um, so okay. So switching over, you also have the barbell. So in addition to your writing on media, and it started as a column at Leo Weekly, but, but it's since morphed into two books and then an ongoing blog. Does social help to drive traffic to your barbell blog? Yeah, I mean, I definitely took some tips from Insider. So when now whenever I post to my barbell blog, it, it, it automatically posts to Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then I'll go like rewrite the headline or something. I don't know. I'll try to make it a little different. Um, but yeah, I'm just right, right now, since I don't have an outlet for barbell, I'm just f focusing on the blog um, and hoping that I can get it um, somebody interested in Louisville to run it again here in the near future. Cool. What types of things do you like to cover on the barbell? Uh, mostly, so back when it started, it was mostly just a nightlife, a column on nightlife. Um, but I could, whatever, you know, I can go cover a bourbon event and write about it in there. I'm going to start doing um, more tasting notes. Um, I had this series on there called Tasteless Tastings because some people do tasting notes and it's just like kind of drab and you know esoteric and you're like what like marzipan you're tasting mar like what is a marzipan so uh, my I got together a group of friends and they would come over and I would you know pour them samples of a new product and I wouldn't sometimes I'll tell them what it is and sometimes I won't and I just kind of record their general reactions and it can get pretty funny the more you know drinks we have <laughs> So it's more, yeah, it's more like a fun way to do tasting notes. I remember at one point, too, I just, I totally forgot about this, but you, didn't you do like a column on like drunk texts you received? Oh, yeah. In my Leo, when it ran in Leo, um, at the bottom of every column was just drunk texts that I would ask viewers or readers to send in their drunk texts that they got over the weekend. And I, I would have friends who would send them to me and some that were from me or sent to me, too. <laughs> I can't lie. You would never do <laughs> So, um, you know, people want to know out there, what's your favorite hashtag? Oy. Uh, well, my friend, we were, as we were driving through Wisconsin, we saw, we stopped in this cheese store and she, she's like, cheese and what do you say? Havarti? I don't know. Havarti is my favorite cheese. Oh, and then we were talking about claw. Hey, this has nothing to do about hashtags, though. <laughs> I was going to make up one, like, Claw and Havarti. 
<laughs> I'm sure that'll be trending tomorrow. <laughs> Let's make it trend, people. Cla hashtag Klana <laughs> See if anyone else out there likes that, that, that col combination. Okay, so Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you could only keep one app on your phone, what would it be? Probably Facebook, just because I like to keep up with my friends and and I know how to use it the most, <laughs> most out of the three. <laughs> Um, we also hear that you're a heavy Snapchat user. I guess my question to you is, isn't that for millennials? I th think so. I don't know, really know what I'm doing, but I like uh, the filters and, <laughs> and I like that it disappears and then nobody can see it, you know, after wa watching it once. So, except people that collect them all on their phone and then watch them like hours of them back. <laughs> That would be me. She sent, I get Snapchat notifications all the time. And since I'm not a heavy user, I, I have probably about a, like six months worth of <laughs> Snapchat filters, which is entertaining to watch. Um, any, any favorite filters out there that you really enjoy? Mm. I like when your little person dances around or yeah, is it a meme? Emoji. Well, yeah, bitmoji. Yeah, my bitmoji. I like to change her clothes and stuff. It's like your own paper doll. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's mix bourbon and social. What bourbon folks do you follow on social media? Gosh. Um, well, I was recently on the podcast, um, Bourbon Pursuit. They do a really good burp, bourbon con podcast. Um, Fred Minnick, of course. He, um, I like to hear his thoughts on new releases and industry news and stuff like that. Um, I follow all the distilleries and the master distillers if they have an account. Um, That's a good question. So what master distillers are posting out there? You know, I don't. Marianne. Right. Marianne, formerly of Castle and Key. She posted a lot, yeah. But, you know, I don't think, I don't, I have a feeling when they do post it might be you know, a social media team doing that, some of that. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> Think of one that comes to mind of anybody that's... Because a lot of the master distillers tend to skew a little older. I mean, yeah. Jackie, Jackie's on. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's she not... Does. Yeah. The master taster of Old yeah. Forester. Yeah. Um, yeah, she posts a lot. Um, yeah, I would say that maybe as if, it, if they're younger folks, they probably do, but if they're older, they're probably in... I don't know, not maybe social media savvy, but their distillery is, so they, their distillery is probably posting most, the majority of their stuff. Cool. So um, what bourbon groups are you involved in on Facebook, like private groups? Well, they're private, so I can't. <laughs> um, actually, a lot of the Facebook groups got kind of got sh shut down um, recently because of, there was selling going on, and that's not legal. Uh, but there are some social groups that are like the Louisville Bourbon Club. Um, sometimes it'll people just kind of talk about new products, and they'll be like, "Hey, this Kroger on Goss has, you know, uh, Old Forester 1910. It just came back out on the shelves, you know, something like that." And so I'll run over there and get one. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of groups. You showed me one this morning that you <laughs> are a member of. I'm kind of embarrassed for you, but you want to tell everyone? Uh, it's like a White Claw group of Louisville. Um, I don't. I got on there. I don't. There's a lot of industry folks in there, and just kind of making not 
I mean, they're making fun of the claw, but at the still time, the same time, they're embracing the claw. So I don't know. I have, after embracing the claw last night, I might take a break from the claw. <laughs> I think that'd be a wise decision. <laughs> so, um, any upcoming projects or or books that you want to plug? Um, just kind of maybe follow me over at what I'm doing at Mint Julep Tours. Um, we have our Bourbon City Cruisers, which are our little, little tuk-tuks that I drive, and we have a host of tour guides and stuff driving, too. Um, but those are little three-hour trips that you can do around the city, and, and, and they involve cocktails sometimes, or distilleries, or whatever you want it, whatever one you choose. Um, and then we have the regular mint julep experiences, which are the, the big tour buses that go out to the distilleries, and um, we've, we do exclusive pairing you know like food and bourbon pairings and all kinds of I mean so it's not like you go to it once but you you can keep doing all of our exclusive tours because they're they they keep rotating and changing and yeah so so you can really customize it yeah uh, what about and you were mentioning in Nashville they they have some experiences as well yeah we expanded down to Nashville so um we now have a hub in Nashville with the Mint Julep tour buses and we do stuff around the city of Nashville, and also we go to like Jack Daniels, um, Dickel, a few other uh, Tennessee whiskey distilleries. So yeah, what were you were saying like because people that listen like social media, you said like you have a mural tour as well. Is that kind of pretty much driven by like getting get your picture in yeah. front of it? Actually, so we on our Bourbon City Cruisers, we have a general sightseeing tour where we focus on the history of blah, 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 blah. But we also stop, swing by like all the major landmarks and murals. And we suggest people get out and take Instagram photos and, you know, all that. So if, especially if they're new to the city, they're learning about all this and taking all these pictures. And, um, and then in Nashville, we have a mimosa and mural tour where I believe it's for about maybe a few hours. They go around and do like mimosas and donut pairings. And then they go around the city going to all the murals and getting out and taking pictures. And so, yeah, it's, I haven't done it yet, but I'm looking forward to trying it. Cool. I never know if I'm saying that word right. Mural? 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right. So last thing. Finished this sentence, okay? This National Bourbon Heritage Month, Sarah Havens wants you to stop tweeting and start drinking bourbon. And we thought you would say that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for for having us. And are are you excited to do the Miller tour later? I am. Uh, this will complete the trifecta of breweries tours for us. We've been to Coors, Bud, now Miller. Miller time. And on that note, <laughs> thanks so much. All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us. 